emphatically, to be politically correct. You've got to please all of the perverts and all the feminists and all of the aberrant thinking that's out there in the world. And I'm not interested in that whatsoever. Praise God. In fact, I don't even believe in all of that junk. Amen. I guess, and I may, I may change. I might be like a fellow that come to Gina to preach years ago, and we had a wonderful lady preacher in our church. She had uh, preached for many, many years, and uh, he didn't know that she was in the congregation. And he walked to the pulpit, and uh, he was new to them, and they was new to him. But his first statement was, he said, "Well, folks," he said, "I guess y'all know I don't believe in women preachers." So things tightened up a little bit. He could kind of feel it, you know. And he said, well, I believe in them more than I did. <laughs> and it still wasn't very relaxed. And he said, you know, come to think of it, he said, I got the Holy Ghost under a woman preacher, and I wish God would call more of them than what he does. <laughs> so I really don't know what he believes, but <laughs> I want to be right with the Lord today, don't you? Praise God. And uh, it's a real delight to be in Mississippi. I have enjoyed the time that I have been here and the other times, all of the times I've been here. And I'm enjoying being here this time. And I, I just really, really would like to help us in the work of the Lord. And at 57, and after preaching this many years, and... <clears throat> being at this point in life, my real desire is to help somebody. Uh, the devil's given us all an enormous fight. We're all in a struggle. We're all fighting against the foes of this world. I'd like to say something to encourage you today. I'd like you to be able to go back home and be a better saint. Go back home, be a better pastor, be a better preacher. Praise God. And the devil's fighting every one of us. And we have varying situations and different circumstances. But I want to tell you, we ought to thank God for each other. You ought to stand behind your pastor. You ought to stand behind his preaching and support him in every way. Amen. I know this is camp meeting. And uh, sometimes we go to special meetings, camp meeting, conferences, seminars, and all of that. And we get this big idea. Well, I, you know, that guy would be a wonderful pastor. And... Uh, maybe, you know, maybe I'd like Brother Coon or maybe I'd like somebody else. But let me tell you something. When you get really down to the bedrock of the truth, the best person in your life is your pastor. I don't care if he's a young man. I don't care if he's an old man. You ought to back your pastor up. Praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And if you jump and run every time some little something doesn't go just like you want it to go, you'll be running the rest of your life. You need to get in the church and say, I'm staying in the church. I'm going to be here when we have revival. I'm going to be here when we're not having revival. I'm going to be here when the weather's good. And I'm going to be here when the weather's bad. Praise God. And I'm going to live to the standards of this church. I'm going to dress my family. I'm going to teach my family. And we're going to walk with God and we're going to support the work of the Lord with our money, with our prayers, with our attendance. And we're going to make this the greatest church in our community. Praise God. Now, I know you're waiting on me to start teaching, but I've already started if you're listening. Hallelujah. Praise God. You may say, oh, but you know, brother so-and-so, he can preach so much better. Well, I learned a long time ago, I'm not so dumb to think that there's a lot of people can preach better than I can preach. And you know, people can buy tapes and listen to that. As Brother Tenney says, everybody nowadays got tape worms. And uh, they got all these tapes they have to listen to. And I have people, they give me a tape, say, I want you to listen to this. This guy can really preach. Well, that doesn't offend me. They're not telling me you can't preach. Now, they might. I don't have enough sense to know it, you know. But uh, they're not telling me that. Praise God. And I understand all of that. But, you know, I've never had anybody that was having brain surgery and heart surgery and uh, somebody that was being operated on for cancer or even taking their gallbladder out or their end-growing toenail off. 
I've never had anybody say, would y'all send me a tape of a good preacher down here and play it while I'm having surgery? They say, Brother Coon, would you be there? Praise God. In fact, they don't even want to hear any preaching then. They just want a whole lot of praying. That's right. Thank God for your pastor. He'll be there when I'm going back to Gina. Praise God. He'll be there when Reverend Ike is somewhere else in Shambach somewhere else. Well, glory to God. Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> well, I don't know how I got on that, but old brother Louis Armstrong over in Louisiana, he used to preach, and it didn't matter what his subject was. It didn't matter what he was talking about. He always preached about John the Baptist. It didn't matter. If he started in Revelation, he wound up with John the Baptist. And every time he'd say, that's mighty good preaching, brother. Well... That's mighty good preaching, just what I've been doing. Now, the rest of it may not be so hot, but that's the truth. That is the truth. Thank God for our pastors today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you for letting me come. I'm having a, a mighty, mighty good time. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I'd like to go to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, and then to the book of Matthew, chapter 21. And I see so many people out there that I uh, know, a number of you, friends from years back, different places, and it's good to see you. Now, I do have a little problem. I have more faces in my mind than I have names to go with them. Got a little problem with that. I don't know what's happened, but whatever it is. Uh, it'll probably get worse if it, I'm judging right. But the Lord bless you. It's so good to be with you. Praise the Lord. <laughs> and uh, I want to just talk to us about the work of the Lord today. Hallelujah. Are you going to stay with me for a little while? I'll tell you, you all the best crowd of the bunch. Amen. I'm telling you, I'm serious. I've preached a lot of places. This, these day crowds, they're the very best of the bunch. And I know a lot of people can't be here because of jobs. And uh, a lot of folks are not here because they're sleeping or whatever. And I might be if I wasn't preaching. I don't know. But anyway, here we are. And let's just enjoy it and have a good time. What do you say? Is everybody going to relax and just help me preach a little bit? Praise God. All right. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 7, Jeremiah said, Behold, in verse number 8, Jeremiah 7 and 8, Behold, you trust in lying words that cannot profit. Will ye steal, murder, and commit adultery, and swear falsely, and burn incense unto Baal, and walk after other gods whom ye know not? And come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, We are delivered to do all these abominations. Is this house which is called by my name become a den of robbers? In your eyes, behold, even I have seen it, saith the Lord. But go ye now unto my place, which was in Shiloh, where I set my name at the first, and see what I did to it for the wickedness of my people Israel. And now, because ye have done all these works, saith the Lord, and I spake unto you, rising up early and speaking, but ye heard not, and I called you that ye answered not, therefore will I do unto this house which is called by my name, wherein you trust, and unto the place which I gave to you and to your fathers, as I have done unto Shiloh. And then he goes on to talk about that they would be cast out of his sight. A terrible judgment was pronounced upon them. Now, in the book of Matthew, chapter 21, I would like to read verses 12 through uh, verse number 16. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 21, verses 12 through 16. And Jesus went into the temple of God and cast out all them that sold and bought in the temple and overthrew the tables of the money changers and the seats of them that sold doves. And said unto them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but ye have made it a den of thieves. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. And when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, 
and the children crying in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the son of David, they were sore displeased. And said unto him, Hearest thou what these say? And Jesus saith unto them, Yea, have ye never read? Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings thou hast perfected praise. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for the word, would you? Praise the Lord. And everybody said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And you can be seated. Brother Sound Man, if you'll give me just a little bit on the monitors for me, I'm sure it's fine out there. I will appreciate it. All right. Jesus said it is written. Now, that is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 56. He is referring to a prophecy. He said, It is written. This is God's Word. This is God's prophet speaking. That my house shall be called the house of prayer. Now notice that. This is what was written. And I started to read the verse, but for the sake of time I did not. And it is in the Scripture that His name or his house shall be called the house of prayer. But, and here is what Jesus said, Ye have made it a den of thieves. Now, this is what it's to be called, and this is what you've made it. I want to talk to you for the next few minutes today about uh, a divine designation. A divine designation. What God has designated. What God has said. And you know what we say sometimes may carry a lot of weight, but I'm really interested in what the Lord says. Sardis had a name that they were alive, but the Lord said, you're dead. I'm interested in what God thinks about us. Amen. Self-evaluation is hard to do. And uh, looking at ourselves in the proper perspective. But somehow if we could tap into the Scripture and into the mind of the Spirit and see what God is saying about us today. I wonder what His determination and His designation and evaluation of us would really be. Praise God. I'm afraid that some things that we call good, God would not say are good. Amen. Some things that we call bad and we may not really enjoy, maybe God really likes them. I want to like what the Lord likes today, don't you? I want to love what He loves. I want to despise what He despises. I want to tap into the thing that's right. And uh, it's too late for me after living for the Lord this many years and preaching this long, it's too late for me to try to find a place of conformity and a place that's comfortable. And I don't want to, I don't want to grow old and be a cynical, hateful, sarcastic, unloved old man. But neither do I want to get adjusted to this world and get involved in this world and get caught up in this world in this late hour. But I want to finish the course that I have begun. Praise God. I'll just tell you up front, and I think I made that pretty clear yesterday. I believe in what our elders taught us. I believe in what our leaders are teaching us today. Praise God. I believe in, in sound doctrine. Praise the Lord. I'm not interested in heaping to myself teachers simply because I have itching ears. I don't want just to be have my ears tickled today. I want to hear what it's going to take to be saved. Amen. I want to make it to the glory world. That's the greatest driving motivation of my life is to be saved when this life is over. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, here in this passage we find in Matthew chapter 21, the Lord cleansing the temple. Now, it appears, and maybe some of you better Bible scholars could help me if I'm wrong, but it appears in the Scripture that there was a cleansing of the temple in the early ministry of Jesus. In John chapter 2, where the Lord took a whip and He overturned the tables of the money changers and drove out those that were making His house a den of thieves. And then after a, a pas the passage of uh, many months of time, <clears throat> toward the end of the ministry of Jesus... It appears that there is another cleansing of the temple that we read about in the book of 
Matthew chapter 21, where he comes into the temple and uh, he uh, cast out all that sold and bought and uh, again overthrows the money uh, tables or money changers tables and all of their places of authority in their seats and, and drives them out. And I'm sure that in the beginning of this operation and in the beginning of this needed service, uh, nobody thought anything about it. Because you see, it was permitted in the law, if a man lived a long ways from the temple, he could even sell the sacrifice in his area, and he could come and he could purchase another, and he could uh, offer it as a sacrifice. Now there were some adjustments, there were some, uh, there were some safety measures that were built in that he would not shortchange the Lord in this transaction. And so it, it appears that maybe in the beginning it was needful and it was good that there would be uh, money changers and that there would be those who would sell doves and pigeons and sacrifices because a man living in northern Israel, southern Israel, or at some remote point, it would be impossible for him maybe to drive his animal or to bring his birds or his turtle doves all of the distance to the temple. And so in, in the name of necessity, in the name of importance, it seems that there was a setting up of uh, this particular type of transaction. And personally, I, I, I can see the need, and, and I don't see anything wrong with it. But it had evolved, and it had grown into a disproportionate thing. And it had become uh, an ungodly thing, and it had become the wrong thing. I tell you, I've learned a long time ago that if some things just get their foot in the door, you better watch out. The whole camel's going to be in the tent after a while. Amen. That's the reason that your pastor is always taking a stand against some things that, that you may wonder about. But I'm telling you, he's trying to keep the world out of the church. Amen. And we can't latch on to everything that comes by and try it out and then let it corrupt us and destroy us in the end. Amen. That's the reason that your pastor has the sight and the insight and the foresight. Now, I'm just going to digress here a moment to throw in a little something. If you'll study the Old Testament priesthood, one of the, one of the paramount qualifications of being a priest was that he had to have good eyesight. The first reason for that was he had to examine every sacrifice, not only on hoof and on foot, but he had to examine it after it was cut up and it was washed to see that it was without uh, any flaw or without any blemish. Now, that was the number one reason. Number two reason was that it was the priest that determined who had leprosy. And leprosy was determined by a hair in most cases. Now, I'm in the Scripture, so don't think I'm preaching to you out of some far-fetched book somewhere. I'm in the Scripture. And uh, if a man come, Brother Sandy, he could have a little discolored hair. And it didn't, it didn't amount to much. It didn't look like much. It may be on his wife, it may be on his boy, it may be on his best friend or his worst enemy. But that priest had to have sharp eyesight. And if there were, there were certain discolorations, if there, was, uh, if there were certain indicative factors, then he could make a decision that this is leprosy. And if it's leprosy, it's got to go outside of the camp. Because if I leave it inside of the camp, not only will it defile the camp, but ultimately it will defile me. And if he was not sure about it, he could, he could say, we're going to lock the man up for seven days. And then we're going to decide. And then he could go again and he could say, we're going to decide. I'm telling you, sometimes we have to make a determination. And, and I know you may say, well, uh, my preacher's a harebrained preacher. You better thank God he is. Because it may be the difference in the discoloration of something that is no bigger than a hair that can destroy and can eat up and devour the entire camp. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm not talking about some wild-eyed, unfanciful uh, kind of thinking today. But I'm going to tell you, listen to this gray-headed preacher today. If, if your pastor sees something that is a danger to the flock 
and it is a wolf in sheep's clothing, and he stands to warn you and to talk to you and to preach to you. I don't care how much you can justify it. I don't care what they're doing down the road, up the road, or across town. You better listen to the man that God has put in your life. It may save your family. It may save your marriage. It may save your home. It may save your kids. It may save the church of the living God. We need to have a listening ear today. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Well, everybody cheer up. <laughs> Hallelujah. You know, we wait on everything to get big before we do anything. We need to deal with some things in their infancy. Praise God. Say, well, I'll just wait and see what happens. You can wait till it eats everybody up. There has to be a determination made sometime. Praise God. There's some things you don't need in your house. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Some things you just don't need. <coughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Well, I could preach a long time. And you know, and I realize there's people here from all over the country. If I was in Gene, I'd just, I'd just let it out here kind of blood raw. But I'm going to be nice today. But I'm just, I'm just simply telling you that, that you, need to, you need to listen to your leadership. You need to listen to your pastor. You need to quit gauging your life by every old liberal, charismatic, tongue-talking, Jezebel-looking woman. And you need to listen to the man of God. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, sir. There's some things that are not big within themselves, but they become big. Amen. Now, and I'll just, I'll just touch on one little thing here. Now, and, and I'm not trying to be offensive. And, and I'm, I'm giving everybody all the latitude that the manual gives them and that your pastor gives you. And, and, and this is just Crawford Coon. This is not you. It's not your pastor. You listen to your pastor. And, but I, I've tell, told people a number of times, the reason that I don't have a video in my house is for the same reason that I don't drink water out of a beer bottle. I just don't want you wondering what's in there. Praise God. Now, I know that's a poor analogy. Amen. But I'm going to tell you what. You can let something in your life, in the name of good, in the name of watching your family, and in the name of preserving your heritage, and it can ultimately destroy you without the right controls and without the right discipline. Amen. And if you know you don't have the discipline, and maybe that's the reason that I don't, but if you know you don't have the discipline, you better start in the very beginning and nip it in the bud and say it's not going to start. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, friend, this temple would have been a lot better off if a money changer would have never been inside of the house of God. Hallelujah. And Jesus come along and He drove it out. And He said, I'm going to stop this. Oh, God, help us today. There's some things need to be stopped at your house and at the church. Amen. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Now you set the rules at your house. My kids used to come home telling me what everybody else's parents was letting them do. My boy used to come home telling me he wanted me to buy him a car because he said everybody at school's got a car. I said, well, that's funny. I saw 35 buses lined up the other day and it was all loaded down. Everybody don't have a car. Amen. They used to come home telling me, well, Daddy, don't you know that so-and-so lets so-and-so do that? Well, that's fine. That's their mom and daddy. But I'm your mom and daddy. Yes, sir. This is our house. Praise God. Amen. Don't you know that brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so lets their kids do this? I don't care what they let them do. Amen. Don't be going to your pastor telling him what everybody else is doing. You don't go to church there. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. It may get quiet, but just, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like Brother Arnold. I can preach in the library. It don't bother me. Hallelujah. And just, uh, I, and I'm just, I'm just trying to be very serious with you today. Very honest with you today. Amen. 
I used to tell my kids, now don't bring any of those old worldly tapes home with that ungodly music on it because I'm going to throw them away. And so I got in my car one day and I found one of these, uh, I think is a country western tape. Brother Tenney says that that's musical pornography. And uh, <coughs> Hallelujah. You know, and everybody's plugged in nowadays. They listen to all of this stuff and all of this trash. Amen. And I, I think I said it here at men's meeting, but I'll just say it to you. I heard about a couple of dogs that was laying by the side of the road, and, and some teenagers come by with these Walkman uh, tape players, and, and they was just a joking and a, whatever they do. I can't do all that. I couldn't when I was young. I sure can't now. And they were just joking and jiving, and, and one of them dogs looked over to them, and they said, you know, if we acted that way, they'd worm us. <laughs> now, I don't know if you need worming or not. But when I have to listen to it, I feel like I got worms. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, you find something that's too goofy to say, and don't make a lick of sense, and somebody will write a song about it and sing it in church. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, this is Gina, Louisiana. Okay, 2600. All we got is a Walmart and a post office. This is Gina. But I just told him at Gina that I'll beat on the bottom of a tub and sing in the sweet by and by before I listen to that. Now, that's in Gina. Now, wherever I go and whatever they're doing, I enjoy some of it and put up with the rest of it. <laughs> if you can't say amen, at least you can say glory. <laughs> Hallelujah. We can still be sweet. Am I right? But now, Jesus, when He, when he got rid of all of this mess around the house of God... And there was a lot of cleansings in the Old Testament when you read about it. When they had a revival, they cleaned up things around the church. Amen? And, and got, things, got things in order. <clears throat> and Jesus, he, he, he cleaned out the money changers. And He said, now, this, this is to be called a house of prayer. But you have made it. Everybody say, you've made it. He didn't say God's made it. He said, you've made it. A den of thieves. Amen. And I want to tell you something, that the church becomes what we make it. Amen. You say, oh, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. He is going to do a lot of stuff. But this church is going to be what we make it. This church is going to be what we allow in it. This church is going to have the power that we allow God to work through us with today. Hallelujah. You hear me when I tell you that our actions and our attitude and our appearance is what's going to transform this into a powerful church or it's going to destroy us as a church of the living God. I don't want to make this church a den of thieves. I don't want to make it anything it's not. I want to contribute to the success, to the glory, to the power, and to the impetus of the move of God in this generation I'm living in. Hallelujah. What are we making out of the church today? I want to make it a glorious place where the glory of God is at. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Praise God. The first church that I ever pastored was in an old storefront building in Nashville, Arkansas. Got to where we couldn't pay the $50 a month rent, and we moved down to the American Legion Hall. And at one time where we was having church, they sold groceries. They sold Clorox, they sold bacon powder, they sold Cokes, they sold meal and flour, and you just name all the groceries. And, and they carried on a business there, and, and so it became known as a grocery store. The grocery store went out of business. We built a little platform, a little altar, little, put up a little pulpit, hung a sign over the door. People started coming in, praying, singing, finding God getting the Holy Ghost, and it become a church in what had been a grocery store. 
And then we went to the American Legion Hall, and every Saturday night, they would have a dance. And every Sunday morning, I went early to clean out all the cigarette butts and uh, all the beer cans and set up the chairs and set up the altar and set up the pulpit. And on Sunday, it become a church. Praise God. Just That's just how simple it becomes. I think one of the greatest messages that I ever heard Brother Nathaniel Urshan preach was in Hope, Arkansas, 20, probably 25 years ago. And we were sitting here in an old building, Brother Bowling, and, and, um, and I was sitting up here, and, and I, I got to thinking, and I got to looking around, and I had one of these theater seats at arms on each side. Theater seats. And I'm in church. And Brother Urshan, he's a preaching. The floor is slanted. And it just dawns on me. You know, well, bless God, this is a church. But they used to watch shoot em ups in here. <laughs> Hallelujah. And and they used to they used to sell popcorn in here. Everything that was going on in here was in the dark. But now, look at this thing. It's a church. And here's a man preaching the Word of God. And you say, well, what happened to the theater? Well, it went out of business and started the church. Amen. And after we got to where we, we, couldn't, we couldn't rent the American Legion Hall for a midweek service, we had church in our house, an old house out in the country in Nashville, Arkansas. And I remember teaching a Bible study many Wednesday nights in the cold winter time. And I stood by the fireplace and just roasted the back of my legs. And people sitting in the back was wearing an overcoat. Because the old house was so cold. But that room become a church. Brother Todd preached in my home church years ago. And he said, I'm starting a church in Dallas, Texas. And you know where we're having church? He said, we got an old chicken house. And we cleaned out all of the chicken litter. And if there's any old roosters and hens around, we run them off. And we set up some seats and a pulpit and an altar. And we're having church in a chicken house. Hallelujah. Now just hang on. I'm kind of headed somewhere. Amen. I've been in old factories that have been turned into church houses. And I could go on down the list, and I could talk about them. Now, what is the difference in a chicken house and a church house? I don't think you have to be very smart to answer that. I'm not trying to trick anybody. Just according to who's in it and what they're doing. Now, you come up here next September, and you look in here, and there's 49,000 Dominecker biddies in here. You know, if you know what a biddy is. If you don't, well, I'll see you after church. Up north, a, a, an old biddy is a hateful old woman. <laughs> Where's Brother Mooney at? See here? Praise God. Talks about them old biddies. Them old biddies. An old biddy to us is a, is a, is a growing, pretty good sized little chicken, Brother Mooney, wherever you at. He's in the back. Praise God. So, uh, if you come up here next September, and, and the platform's gone, all of a sudden there's, there's 49,000 chickens in here. You'd say, my God, that used to be a tabernacle, but I believe it's a chicken house. Well, big deal. That's what it is. It's a chicken house. Amen. Praise God. And, you know, if, if, if they went back to Hope, Arkansas, and and took the pulpit out and took the altar out and took, took all of the songbooks out and started showing movies in there, I'd say it was a theater, wouldn't you? Kind of what I'd call it. Say, well, what's the big deal, Brother Coon? I'm just telling you that whatever's going on inside of the building makes a distinction and God makes a determination as to what that thing really is. Praise God. Now, here was a place that was a house of prayer that had become a den of thieves simply because 
that somebody's activity had turned it into that. I'm going to tell you, friend, I don't know about you today, but I'm for keeping the church the church of the living God. Hallelujah. I'm for maintaining this glorious heritage that God has given us. Praise be unto God. Oh, I want this to be a real, strong, apostolic, one God, tongue-talking, Holy Ghost church. Amen, 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 amen. Praise God. Now, you can call it anything you want to, but that don't mean much. It was called a house of prayer. That's what it was called. But in actuality, it was a den of thieves. <clears throat> Several years ago, my wife and I went to Israel, and we went down to Petra, down to that uh, city in the rock walls, and <clears throat> rode a horse in, in that little narrow passage and went in there and looked at all that stuff. And then we come out, and part of, the, part of that little situation was that they would feed us a meal. And so <clears throat> we had been inside of Petra, come back, and uh, we, were, we were in a restaurant, and we're, we were eating a meal. And so I'm sitting up here in this booth with my wife. Now, my wife likes booths in a restaurant. I like tables. I don't like to get hemmed up in nothing. You know, that's, that's an inherent nature of a coon. He don't like to be hemmed up. He likes to be where he can run. But we're sitting up here in this booth. I'm on, I'm on my side in this seat, and my wife is sitting over here across the table, and they're bringing us a little bit of food. And It's a funny, real strange design restaurant, but things are different over there. And, I didn't think much about it. And there's a wall behind her and there's a wall behind me and the ceiling's pretty high. And around the wall there's another table. And you'd have to kind of get out around the wall if you wanted to talk to somebody. Just, I mean, it was a real secluded little spot. And everybody, every couple had their little cubicle that they were sitting up in and eating. And uh, here it is. This restaurant has a name. They're serving food in it. And, and everything is, is just fine. And I'm eating along here and it's tasting fair. And I'm looking around, and my wife always gets on to me when we go in where she says, Now, don't sit on the platform just looking around. I said, You just sit up there and look around. And if you ain't up there looking around, you're up there talking to somebody. I said, just, just, I said, What do you want me to do? She said, Just shut up and look, look ahead. I said, Thank you, baby. And I know i got to go home with her after a while, but that's, that's all right. <laughs> Praise God. She, she kind of gets to talking a good bit every once in a while, you know. <laughs> Hallelujah. In fact, one night I was just about asleep. I was laying in the bed, and she was laying in the bed, and she got on one of these talking spells, and I was wanting to go to sleep. Lights is out, and I reached over, and I just started feeling around on her face. And she said, what are you doing? I said, I'm trying to find a switch to turn you off with. <laughs> but I hadn't found it. And... uh so we're sitting up here eating, Brother Adcock, and it's pretty good. And I said, you know what, baby? And she said, what? I said, you know what we're in? She said, well, we're in a restaurant, I guess, Crawford. I said, no. I said, yeah, we're in a restaurant, but you know what this used to be? She said, what? I said, this is an old tomb. And did you know that's what it was? They buried people in all them spots. You know, they didn't do over there like we do. They buried their buggies and horses and chickens and everything. Whether they buried them over there, just everything they had, they'd box it up and bury it with them. And that's what it was. It was an old tomb that they'd cleaned out all the dead folks. And here I am sitting up here where somebody dead used to be laying, and I'm eating. That gives you kind of a funny feeling, you know. But now it's just according to what's going on in there. Do you understand? Now, if they'd have come along and kicked me out and said, Now, hey, fella, you're not supposed to be eating in here. We're going to prepare some dead people in here. I'd say, Well, you know, I'd call this a tomb, graveyard, whatever you want to call it. And, and that's, that's just the way it is. It's kind of like old Bishop Johnson. How many of you remember the black Bishop Johnson on the radio? Some of you old folks will. He told a story on his broadcast one time about a fella that had a parrot, and he's going to teach it to talk. And he took it around several places, and I won't go into all the details, but he took it around several places, and he'd say, Now, Polly, 
this is a bar. I'm just going to give you a couple illustrations. He said, this is a bar. And the old parents say, a bar, a bar, a bar. He said, that's right, Polly, this is a bar. And so Sunday morning he took him to church and he said, Polly, this is a church, a church. And the old parents said, a bar, a bar, a bar. He said, no, a church, a church, a church. The old parents said, a bar, a bar, a bar. And, and, and Bishop Johnson said, the old man told him, said, no, it's a church, a church, a church. And the parents said, same crowd, same crowd. <laughs> so you know really who's there and what's going on there is what determines what it's really called. Am I right? Amen. I'm going to tell you something, folks. We can make this tabernacle about anything we want to make it. But I don't know how you feel about it, but I think we all feel the same way. I want to make it a tabernacle of praise. I want to make it a tabernacle of holiness. I want to make it a tabernacle of preaching the Word. Not just any kind of Word. I want to preach the Word of the Lord. I want it to be repentance. Water baptism in Jesus' name. The infilling of the Holy Ghost. One God. Apostolic. Tongue talking. Holy living. That's what I want it to be. Hallelujah. I'm going to try to make my contribution to it. Praise God. I want to just add a little something, Brother Sandy, that this can stay the church of the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Does everybody understand what I'm talking about here today? Oh, hear me. You know, it, it doesn't matter really what you say. It's what's going on. <coughs> it's what you're doing. Am I right? Amen. You can hang any kind of shingle you want to over the door. You can come up here next September, and they can have church hanging over every door. But if there's 49,000 chickens in here, it ain't no church. It's a chicken house. Amen. Like an old boy over in Gina, he kind of tongue-tied. And he was telling a bunch of us that they killed some squirrels. And they was going to fry them, Brother Bowley. Now, they was going to fry these squirrels. <coughs> and he said, we got to looking and we didn't have any grease. And he said, so we decided we would fry them squirrels in water. And they did. And he said, you know what? He said they tasted just like this boar. <laughs> now I don't care, I don't care what you call it. If you fry it in water, it's going to be boiled. <laughs> Praise God, Hallelujah! You know I'm really trying to be nice today. <laughs> Praise God! Anybody, anybody, kind of getting the message here? You better hurry up and get it. I ain't got but ten minutes. Praise God. And, and you know, you can just you can slice it and dice it and fix it up and doctor it up and paint it up and, and, uh, and, and do just about anything you want to do. But, but there are some things that just boil down to reality. Amen. I was visiting in Vidalia about 40 miles from Gina one day, and I don't remember what I was doing. I was visiting somebody, went to the courthouse or something and, uh, for some reason, and they had the jail in the courthouse. And it was down on the ground level where I was walking. And so I went by the jailhouse, and I just kind of took my time down through there, Brother Ramsey, at the jailhouse. And I saw the funniest sight I've ever seen. It just kind of intrigued me, and it's kind of nice to see that. And, and there was this guy, he was, he was up in the jailhouse, locked up. I'm talking about big old bars. And he's sitting up on the top of a motorcycle, just like he's fixing to go somewhere. Praise God. He was like an old boy I was visiting in jail one time. He told me, he said, you can't lock up a child of God. He said, I'm just as free as a breeze. And I said, well, what's them bars over there? Locked up tight as a jug and saying he's free as a breeze. Goof is a chinch bug. <laughs> now, where are you going on a motorcycle locked up in the jailhouse? Would you tell me? You ain't going much further than some of these people that's sitting in some places called a church. If it's a church, I'm a Chinese astronaut. You say, oh, but Brother Coon, it's a church. They get spirit-filled over there. Is that right? Hallelujah. I'm talking about what's going on. I'm talking about the crowd that's in there. 
I'm talking about what they're doing, Brother Bowling. Praise God. I want to tell you something, folks. What we hang over the door and what we talk about is not what's important to God, but it's what kind of business we're carrying on in here. It's what kind of conduct we're carrying on that really makes the difference to God. Oh, I want this to be an apostolic, sanctified, separated, dedicated church to the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, God, help us today. Amen, amen. We was at a general conference years ago when hats was in style. And I'm not preaching against hats. I wear one. thing I got such a big head with nothing in it until I can't hardly find a hat to fit me. I wear a size eight. That's a big one. If it just if I had brains to match that, Brother Travis, I could really preach today. Amen. But years ago we, we had general conference and women wore hats uh, a lot back then. They was in style. Sister Coon had her one. She just pretty as a little uh, speckled pup under a red wagon, only she was under a hat. And uh, <coughs> oh she looked good. And here we are in fact, one of them, and I'll tell you this, one of these general conferences, old brother Harry Brandon was alive then, and somebody, he had a mic up there, and he forgot he had the mic, and some woman come up for prayer, and he put his hand on top of her hat, and he said, oh, God, bless this if there's anything under it. And he didn't realize that it was going all over the whole auditorium. But while we was at one of these general conferences when all these hats was in style, somebody stopped somebody on the street and said, what's going on in town? And they said, oh, a big church convention. They said, oh, I thought it was a style show. Oh, God, help us. Help us, help us. I'd really like to be set apart as a child of God. Hallelujah. I'd really like to walk through this old world and this world know that we are the children of the Lord, that this is a church of the living God. This is not just any old church. This is not like everybody else. It's got a shingle hung out. This is where miracles happen. This is where deliverance comes. This is where the glory of God's at. This is where the king visits. Praise God. It's just not an economic enterprise. It's just not an ego trip. But it's the real church of the living God. It is the real house of prayer. That's what I want to make out of this church today. Praise God. I'd like for God to designate this and say that's my church. That's my church. That's my people that are called by my name. Hallelujah. Oh, I want to be His child today, don't you? <coughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, there's a lot of churches that have been turned into bingo parlors. Our local first church in town, not the UPC church, but our local church in town, they have a banquet. They have a buffet supper every Wednesday night. And they have a membership of 2,500. And they'll have about 40 or 50 come out, 60, maybe 75 sometimes, according to what they serve in, in the buffet. That's their Wednesday night crowd. They eat and break up into committees. My God, you can committee everything to death. Amen. A committee is a group of the unfit appointed by the unwilling to do the unnecessary, somebody told me. And I kind of believe that. But anyway, you need them sometimes. But that's all they got is committees. Committee to get a preacher and a committee to get rid of him. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Oh, yeah. But you know what? You can turn a church into a bingo parlor. Am I right? We could even turn this thing into a striving for status. And with economic symbols. And with designer clothes. Well, I think I'll hit a stump right then.
Oh, hallelujah. You know, I'm just going to tell you point blank. You're pretty goofy if you're just living high in debt so your kids can wear something that's got gas or grass or guess or who or why sewed on the seat of their britches. Well, this is pretty deep, but amen. What are we going to make out of it, folks? Hallelujah. I want to tell you, I don't care, and I'm, I really don't, and I'm just as serious as I can be. I don't care if you drive a Lamborghini. Now, that's about a $250,000 automobile. I thought it was a desert lizard when I first read about it. <laughs> I don't care if you come up here in a Lamborghini or if you've got a sweet gum stick horse tied to a tree out there. It don't make any difference to me. Hallelujah. You're not any better than anybody else that's in here, and you're not any worse off than anybody else. I'm just sorry. Thank you for your tithes. Thank you for, for your offerings. But I'm not going to live my life to please you. Hallelujah. Praise God. If i got to eat with you every night to keep you paying your tithes, you're just probably fixing to quit. Hallelujah. If i got to pet you to keep you in the choir, you're just about to go out. I don't pet nobody but Sister Coon. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. I, I ain't got but many minutes left. Y'all can stand anything. You know, it's like an old man told me. He said, I can, I can fight bears with switches for a little while. And, and you can stand a little bit here for a little while. But I'm just simply saying to you folks, when we come to the house of God, we ought to realize we're not here to show off. We're not here to be any better than anybody else. We're not in a preaching contest. We are not in a dressing contest. We are not in a singing contest. We're here to worship the Lord. We're here to love God. We're here to preach. We're here to have church. I want the holy God of heaven to look down and say church is going on there. It's the house of God. Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's what I want the Lord to do for us. Amen, amen, amen. Now, i got to hurry and finish up here, and I'm fixing to do that. Now, in, in the book of Jeremiah, Jeremiah was warning Jerusalem where the temple was located. He said, listen, <clears throat> he said, God's going to do to Jerusalem what he did to Shiloh. How many of you know what God did to Shiloh? Shiloh was where the first tabernacle was set up in a permanent position. It was at Shiloh that they took the Ark of the Covenant out and took it into the land of the Philistines. It was at Shiloh that uh, Hophni and Phinehas was committing adultery and, and fornication at the gates of the, of the tabernacle uh, with their licentious conduct, the sons of Eli, and he would not judge them and he would not discipline them. And, and, and then finally they took the Ark of the Covenant out to fight with the Philistines and, and the glory departed. God took His name out of Shiloh. He took His Ark out of Shiloh. He took His tabernacle out of Shiloh and He put it in Jerusalem because they wouldn't live right. They polluted it. They, they desecrated the house of God. And now here is Jerusalem in a fallen state and God is sending them a message. He said, Am not I able to do to you as I did to Shiloh? I can take the glory away. I can take the honor away. I can take the blessing away. My God, folks, I don't want the Lord to withdraw and withhold the blessing of God and the glory of God and the power of God. I'm hungry for old time apostolic Pentecost in our midst and in our lives. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And here is what they said. He said, now, are you going to come and stand before me in this house, which is called by my name, and say, we are delivered to do these abominations? <clears throat> Praise God. We've been delivered to do this stuff. We got delivered from that yoke. Praise God. Now, I hate to, I hate right here in the closing of this sermon, but I just, I need to kind of make that clear. Praise God. I don't need to leave you wondering what, what they was delivered from. I'm hearing a lot of folks delivered from a lot of stuff today. Thank God we got delivered from that old time preaching that women couldn't pierce their ears and they couldn't wear all of these uh, these dangling things and and all and, and you know and, and we couldn't wear all of this jewelry. I talked to a woman the other day and she had 15 rings on 10 fingers. She's not changing many diapers. 
washing many dishes. If she is, bless God, I wouldn't want to be her baby. I wouldn't want that old hag changing my diapers, not with 15 rings on. Would you, brother? Would you, brother, say, how would you like to be her baby? You'd have a sore bottom pretty quick. All them jewels are scratching you. I'm just sorry, but I'm just telling you, you know, and, and we got, you, you know, there's people running around. Oh, thank God I got liberated from all of that. Amen. And I, I just, oh, we got the Spirit just like you got it. We talk in tongues over at our church. We shout till our ear bobs jingle. You can hear them rattling. Amen. We soak down our culottes. We soak down our shorts. We soak down our pantsuits just dancing in the Spirit. We got choreographed dancing at our church. And we just do it all to the Word of the Lord. I'm telling you, we've got delivered from that bondage. Thank God we're not UPC anymore. Thank God we're out from under that manual. Thank God I'm not in all of that stuff anymore. I'm just free, you know. And, and if, I, if I happen to commit adultery, thank God He forgives. We just got delivered from all of this bondage and Phariseeism and, and asceticism and legalism. And, and we stand here and we say, isn't the Lord good? I'm telling you, my God looks down on that kind of thinking and He says, you've made it a den of robbers and a den of thieves. He said, I'll take my name from you and I'll put it somewhere else. I'm going to tell you, folks, we don't need delivered from biblical righteous lifestyles. We need to tap into it and say, yes, Lord, I'm going to walk with you and do the will of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, hear me today, hear me today, hear me today. Praise God. Amen. You know, I don't know why. Nearly every preacher I know, when he flies somewhere, he meets a movie star. He meets a politician. He meets uh, a famous somebody and uh, meets, meets all these famous rich people. I don't ever do that. Everywhere I fly, there's some old goofy, charismatic woman sits down by me. Just as sure as I'm standing on this platform today. My God, I'd just as soon be locked up with I don't know what. There ain't many things worse. I'd just soon be in a jailhouse on a motorcycle. <laughs> Eating in a tomb somewhere. <laughs> Praise God. I was, I was getting ready to go somewhere and preach. It was before daylight. I got up at 3 o'clock in the morning, I think it was, and drove to the airport. And I was sitting on this plane, and, and the pilot come on and said, we're going to be delayed for a few minutes. We have a very important passenger that is en route to, to the airport, and we, we need to hold up this flight. So I'm asking ever, all of our passengers to be patient till this passenger arrives. And I sat back, got me a magazine, and I said, well, probably lawyer, doctor, somebody going up to... Minneapolis to do a heart transplant or something. Don't mind waiting on them. It's fine. And I'm sitting here reading in several seats. And so help me, just as sure as I'm sitting here. And, and, and here comes this old woman hustling down the aisle. Not really too old, maybe 40 years old. She comes a hustling down the aisle. And they have her a seat assigned by me with all these other empty ones. And she sits down she says, Well, oh, I'm glad to be here. And I've been waiting for about 30 minutes for this plane to take off. And I said, you in a rush, huh? She said, yeah, I didn't think I was going to make it. said, I called, and they said they'd hold the plane for me until I got here. I said, well, we waited on you. I said, I hope you have a good trip. We talked a few minutes, and I said, where are you going? She said, I'm traveling to such and such a city. I'm speaking to a group of ladies on the Spirit. I said, that's marvelous. I'm a minister myself. I'm going to talk to a bunch of people about the Spirit. And she said, you know, I, boy, I tell you what, I'm, I'm just, I'm, I've had a busy day. So I didn't think I was going to make it. Boy, I'm glad they waited on me. She said, it took me an hour and a half to get my makeup right. I looked around <laughs> at that face. Now, I know, now you don't have to say nothing. I know, I, I, I looked in that same mirror Brother Mooney looked in. I understand. I understand. So you don't have to make any comments. But I just said to myself, now, I'd hate to have a face that I had to work on an hour and a half every morning before I could go anywhere. Now, wouldn't you? Come on, be honest. Wouldn't you? 
Amen. Oh, now don't you want to hear her tell you about the Spirit? That's like a prostitute talking about morals. Not too interested in having one come by the church at Genan telling us how to be pure. How you live says more than what you say. What we do in here is a whole lot more than the name we got tacked up out there. You can tack up any name. You can tack church all over it. And you can be making parts for Toyotas in here. Am I right? I don't want it to just be a church in name. I want it to be a church in reality. Hey, folks, we're not delivered to sin. We are not delivered to do abominations. We are not delivered to dress ungodly. We are not delivered to, to falsify this doctrine today. God has saved us to walk straight, live straight, and be straight in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. i got to hurry. I don't have time to get through, but let me just mention a couple of other things. And I'll quit. <clears throat> My brother, in Gina, we have one little spot, probably 20 acres total, that they've built some nice new homes on in Gina. It's the only restricted area in LaSalle Parish. Other than that, you can, you can live in what you want to. You can live in an old school bus, and we have people in LaSalle Parish living in school buses. You can put tar paper on it. You can set it on blocks, dig a hole in the ground. They don't care. No restrictions anywhere except in Snob Hill. Now, that's what it's called, Snob Hill. <laughs> i got a lot of friends that live in Snob Hill. My brother's in our church, and, and he moved to Snob Hill. Bought him a house on a high hill in Snob Hill. And one night after he had moved to Snob Hill, he'd come to church, and his initials are L.C., and that's what we call him, L.C., and he's 10 years older than I am. And he'd come to church one night, and he said, Crawford, he said, I've been working in the yard. And he said, you know, it's the most interesting thing. He said, I've dug up all kinds of old bottles and cans, all kinds of stuff. He said, it's, man, he said, I, I wonder where all that stuff come from. And I said, now, L.C., just a minute. I said, you're 10 years older than me, but I can remember. And let me give you a little lesson here in history. I can remember that where Snob Hill is at, that used to be the city dump. You're digging up garbage out of your yard. You live on the top of a garbage pile. Do you know that? <laughs> but you got a $100,000 home in Snob Hill, but it's a garbage dump. It's just according to what you put in there. You put a $100,000 house, $200,000 house, and, and tack up a sign, Snob Hill, and it's Snob Hill. But you pile a bunch of used pampers and tin cans and snuff bottles out there, and it's a garbage dump. Amen. Oh, what are we going to make out of this thing today? I want to put something in it that's good. I want to put something in it that's right. Hallelujah. So that we can be what God really, 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 really wants us to be. How does God designate us today? Let's stand together, if you will. Praise God. I want the Lord to designate us as a house of prayer. Musicians can come. House of power. Place where people find God. Praise God. We're characterized by what we are. How we live. How we act. How we dress. How we conduct ourselves. What we do in here makes the difference. I used to live in Indiana. <coughs> Lived in Iowa for a while. Wonderful places to live. Both of them were. Pastor in Columbus, Indiana for eight years. Moved to Gina, my hometown. I've been there going on 20 years. But while I lived in Columbus, Indiana, I've seen this on numerous occasions. That inside of our house, it would be 72 degrees, nice and warm in the cold wintertime. Outside, the snow was piled high, frozen, cold. And Brother Mooney probably has done the same. Some of you that's lived there have done the same. I saw Brother Azarisa. He lived in Greensburg, just over the way there, old Indiana. Brother, I said that wrong, Brother Azarisa. You're not old yet. You just... Been around a while. But, uh, Brother Azarisi, I've stepped out of my house at Columbus. 72 degrees inside, just as warm as toast. 
And I have stepped out and made one step, one three-foot step, and it's 30 below zero. That's a difference of a hundred and two degrees. It drops. There's a lot of difference in the climate inside of that house and what's on the outside. I've gotten in my car on numerous occasions, slipped and slid, and drove down through the snow 20 degrees below, 30 below, zero, whatever the occasion was. And I've driven by big office buildings. I've gone into beautiful uh, uh, furniture stores or department stores or malls or something. And, and, and you walk in and you're just shivering and it's cold and everything's frozen and everything's dead. And there's not a leaf and there's not a flower and there's not a blade of grass. There's nothing. And you step inside of a nice warm building and there's ferns that's growing and there's flowers that's blooming and even in some upscale places there's grass that's growing 30 below outside it's cold, it's harsh it's bitter but inside it's warm, it's comfortable there's a furnace I want to tell you something folks out there out there in that old world, it's full of sin. It's cold. It's harsh. It's cruel. It's destroying lives. It's wrecking lives. Leading people in the wrong direction. Undoing their lives and their homes and their families. I want to tell you what I'd like to do. I'd like to create a climate inside of the church. I'd like to create an atmosphere inside of a church. That when somebody walks in the door... We're not fussing over who's got the best car and the nicest clothes and who's going to get to sing tonight. And there's not the striving of cliques and clashes and clans and, and families and economic strata. But oh, that they could step inside and they could feel the warmth and the love and the power and the glory of God. I want to tell you, that's what I want to make out of the church. That's what I, what I want the church in Gina to be. What do you want your church to be? I want God to designate it as a house of prayer. I think we ought to just pray. And I'm going to quit. I think we ought to just pray and say, Lord, let us always keep the church the church. Make us what we ought to be. Would you help me? Let's pray together. Father.